0: you learn neuroanatomy stroke by stroke. In other words, you can can read about it, you can study it, you can memorize the mnemonics of what part of the brain does what, but until you actually see a patient that has an injury or a stroke to a part of the brain and evaluate them and talk to them, that just sits in you forever where their deficit is. You learn that part of the brain. everybody dr. Larson here podcast number four on call with dr. Larson I just finished my call it was busy it was very busy there were traumas broken neck subdural hematomas Um, I have uh, one of the things that I really uh, really am respectful of at my hospital here I was it was uh, Friday night Friday night yeah Friday night I looked at my phone to kind of figure out this, but uh, we, we're a level two trauma center, um, which means we have a certain level of trauma. The regional trauma, the level one trauma center in our area is in Seattle, Harborview Medical Center. And uh, we're here in, in Coeur d'Alene, um, a smaller community is a level two trauma center. So we have a really high level of function. At 7:12 PM, I got a phone call from the, emer- the emergency room, the doctor, had seen a patient that had fallen. The patient fell and hit his head and was confused. He sent him to get a CAT scan of his head. On the way back from the CAT scan, the patient crashed, meaning he became unresponsive. He just he deteriorated neurologically. He actually blew a pupil. Uh, he hadn't blown a pupil yet. Uh, blowing a pupil is when you're, you, that happens when the pressure in your brain gets so great on one side that it presses upon the nerve going to the eye and it, the eye stops working. And that's an ominous sign of herniation happening, which would lead to death. So the patient is coming back from the CAT scanner and deteriorates to the point where they call me, they intubate the patient, put a breathing tube in. The CAT scan shows a a hematoma, a large subdural hematoma. Gosh, in this guy, measured over two centimeters in thickness, pressing upon the brain and the brain was then pushing downward uh, against the optic nerve and he blew a pupil. I said, get him to the OR, I was in my car. Get him to the OR. Um, at 714, I called the OR and I uh, said we're bringing a patient, he's downstairs in the ER, get him to the OR. The next time I looked at my watch, or the clock, was after the craniotomy had been done, the blood clot had been removed, and the, I'm staring at the brain now relaxed because the pressure off, and it was 8.03 p.m., and that is just awesome. I don't think I've we've ever I've been in a situation where it's been that fast and good, and that that just comes from, I mean, the way the system works at my hospital, and so I'm pretty proud of that. I'm proud to be a part of that, and uh, you know, so that was, a, and, 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 and the great news is this gentleman went from a blown pupil to a reactive pupil. He then woke up after surgery and is going to be okay. So I'll, I'll think, he's having some medical issues, he's, he's a little bit older, but if we can get him through these, you know, neurologically, it's a save. So that, that feels really, really good. So thank you, hospital, and everybody involved. It was I was just a small part of that, but an effective part of that, and that was great. Um, broken necks, uh, you know, uh, some um, trauma, 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 lots of trauma. One case that really got my attention, as they all do, is a, is a woman that uh, came back after having a seizure, and after after she had the seizure it was identified that she had a a mass in her brain. And the mass in the brain was in a part of the brain called the right parietal lobe. So once the seizures were under control, they had to make a definitive plan to take out that mass. And when you're dealing with, as a neurosurgeon, when you're dealing with operating on the right brain versus the left brain, generally speaking, you're a little more relaxed operating on the right brain because the left brain is felt to be the dominant hemisphere and the right brain felt to be the non-dominant hemisphere and really that's a that, that's objectively and um, when you really look at somebody and see the results of a right brain versus left brain surgery that's that's the case or a right brain versus left brain injury that's the most obvious case but in actuality the right brain houses a lot a lot of uh, very very important function in fact I mean uh, you know it's it's felt to be the it's it, felt to be the master, the master side of the brain uh, dealing with the emissary part of the brain. The master is the right, the, le- the emissary is the left, I'm sorry. So this tumor was in the, this mass was in the, the, the right parietal lobe. So I did all the surgical planning and looked at all the anatomic landmarks. And I'd like to, I think, I think spend a little bit of time today going over brain anatomy, in particular parietal lobe anatomy. I brought with me some props. You know, here's a skull, here's what it looks like, okay, and so um, this is a plastic one. Inside there's a brain, and I'm going to kind of go through this. These, this one has some plates on it, kind of showing, you know, different, different plates you'd use to re- reconstruct the, 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 the skull when you're done operating. But in this, in this case, here's the right, here's the left. The brain is divided into frontal, and front and back, okay. So there's the frontal lobe in the front, and everything in the front is up here. Everything in the back, you have the parietal lobe, the temporal lobe, and the occipital lobe. The parietal lobe is this area back here. If you take off the skull, the brain's gonna have a covering on it called the dura. So I'm gonna kinda like take the dura off here. Put the brain back in here. So here's your brain, right? This brain has a sulcus, the central sulcus. Everything up here is frontal. Temporal lobes down here, parietal lobe, occipital lobe, here's the cerebellum. The function of the right parietal lobe and the left parietal lobe is, is the left brain, this is more abstract. This is more like numbers, um, diagrams, speech, action. Um, this, the left parietal lobe, for example, would look at numbers and Letters and symbols. The right, the right parietal lobe is more about spatial relationships and in, interpretation of imagery. And it basically takes all of the senses uh, smell, taste, hearing, touch, all of these things that you've in, in your surroundings, and it, it, it analyzes them all. So it has a major impact on how you, the person, Respond to the world because once you once you you have your your sort of your you develop your response Everything will then shift to the frontal lobes where you will act So the the right parietal lobe although it doesn't control for example speech It doesn't control how you talk. That's all left-sided. It's left temporal. So a, a, If you have an injury to your left temporal lobe posteriorly You can develop a condition called aphasia, which is catastrophic either you can't understand or you can't express, or both. And that's a very difficult way to live. The, the, right, the right side of the brain is a little less the, um, obvious, but in this particular patient, I, I spent a lot of time with her surgical planning, how I was going to resect this lesion, how I was gonna decide how much to resect. If it was a malignant tumor, um it would change my my the the aggressiveness of the resection how much deficit the preoperative discussion with her was how much deficit are you willing to have are you willing to be paralyzed on the left side of your body for me to remove this 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 whole mass that wasn't necessary but um i was actually able to remove the tumor to take it out and objectively when you examine her she awakes immediately she moves her left and her right she answers questions she recognizes but now i get to learn what that part of the brain really does, because now I'm seeing her in the days post-operatively and get to have a discussion with her. And you've heard, uh, I think you've heard me say before, um, I was taught, you, and it's true, you learn neuroanatomy stroke by stroke. In other words, you can, you can read about it, you can study it, you can memorize the mnemonics of what part of the brain does what, but until you actually see a patient that has an injury or a stroke to a part of the brain, and evaluate them and talk to them, that's, that just sits in you forever where their deficit is. You learn that part of the brain. And that held true. Here I had a patient that had this, this tumor, this mass in the right parietal lobe. And I didn't know her before the seizure that she had. And I really didn't, um, you know, everything was, so once you, you get diagnosed with something like that, all, all mechanisms turn to how do I treat this? You know, How do I take care of this problem? Um, so I didn't really get to get into her emotions and her thought processes. I, I asked a little bit about what, what it was like, what were the weeks leading to the seizure like, and, and she had some confusion. She had some, she described what I think would be confusion with understanding the sentences around her. You know, as, as she's inputting information, the, the process isn't evolving, it's not being processed. The, 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 the uh, information isn't being processed as it normally would. Now, in this mass, there is still functioning brain. It turned out that this is probably, we're waiting for pathology, but it's probably a, a lesion that started there. Didn't metastasize somewhere else. So it started there and it's sort of, within it is normal brain. That has to come out to take this out. And that did come out. One of the first things I saw in her were elevated emotions. You know, a little bit difficult to console. Happy that it's over and that she's okay. All the gross things are intact. You know, the obvious things are intact. But then this, in talking to her, just the, 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 the how the stimuli would affect her different, differently. Now, you know, she's, she's going home on her own. She's, for, if you met her, if, if somebody who didn't know her met her on the street and started talking to her, you would know nothing is wrong. But there's a higher level of function in the brain. Only she will know what that is. Probably her, her dearest loved ones and friends might know what that is. And it's gonna be important to help her through that process right now. The guy I told you about that had the emergency surgery, um, right hemispheric subdural hematoma, non-dominant hemisphere. Had that been the left hemisphere, had that injury been on the left hemisphere, I probably, as most neurosurgeons would have done, I would have taken a, given it a second thought. Do I rush off to surgery in this guy who's got this tremendous left hemispheric injury? Because, because when that clock comes out, the function that resides in the left hemisphere, the function that resides on the, on the left side of the brain, you have speech, you have recognition and understanding, you know, and, and that's one of the most obvious things. When you're engaging with somebody and they can't talk to you or they're mumbling things that don't make sense or they don't even recognize you, that's, that's, that's really not compatible with a functional recovery. So I would have thought twice about rushing to surgery Again, the right hemisphere, not so important, you know, at least in general terms, but it really is very, very important. A um, rushed him to surgery. At surgery, once the clot was removed, once his life was saved, you can see where the bleeding was coming from. The bleeding was coming from an injury in the posterior right temporal lobe. The posterior left temporal lobe controls speech, recognition speech. The and then there's a little there's white matter fibers that go across to expressive speech. So you decide what you're gonna say, white matter goes across and to the frontal area where you express. Receive in the posterior brain, express in the anterior brain. Okay? The sensory brain versus the frontal brain, the action brain. Um, that, that temporal lobe injury has amounted to some seizure activity. We, we've not yet woken him up fully to be able to talk to him. He's still got a breathing tube in. It should be coming out and we'll be able to, to, to speak with him more and, and, and I'll learn what that little piece of the brain does. In the parietal lobe, the parietal lobe there's white matter there as well. There's a communication, for example, between, between seeing in the occipital lobe, vision, hearing in the temporal lobe, and speech in a temporal lobe. So imagine that when you read a book, here's like, like a here's a classic um, how these communications work. When you read, when you're looking at written words and you, you're, you read, you kind of hear a voice as you're reading. You hear a voice saying those words to you and that's what you see. You don't like read the word and there's no there's something else in there and think about that. You're you're hearing those words and I think it, it, it's been it's known that that's been an evolution in, in in years past and I mean like a thousand years ago reading unspoken words did not happen. that was a new phenomena that has developed. It used to be when a, when when something came across you the, the a human being would read out loud that's how you do it. I you know the the enemies are coming versus just quietly looking at it you know, the enemies are coming so that those associations, those connections, those white matter connections that happen in this area, not to be overlooked. So anyhow, big week on call, uh, moving experience with some traumas, but in particular, I got some time too to really do a more cerebral, if you will, no pun intended, approach to to a problem, relearn some neuroanatomy, Have a successful operation where she she had this tumor taken out and now is going to go to recovery. We'll see what the pathology of the tumor is. Hopefully it's more on the benign side of things. Um, We'll see how things develop for her, uh, you know, and uh, more to come on that. This is On Call with Dr. Larson. Thank you for watching.